Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. From AccuWeather.com, this is Everything Under the Sun, our weekly podcast that delivers stories and information on the weather and climate and how they interact with our everyday lives. Whether it's in person, virtual, mixed, or otherwise, school seems to be back in session now for almost all those who are scheduled to be using this fall to start their next stage of learning. And we saw the calendar finally catch up to us meteorologists. We've turned the page on the calendar to autumn with the autumnal equinox occurring this past Tuesday morning. So this will mark the beginning of our fall series of shows, which, like our summer series, is designed to help you get the most out of this fall season. As we continue to fight against COVID-19 and deal with the continued growth and case numbers of the virus, we are all trying to balance getting back to a sense of normalcy. Folks will continue to look for ways to enjoy some good times and the outdoors while being responsible with social distancing and limiting air travel. More driving trips here this fall. Certainly over the years, getting out and enjoying some of the amazing fall colors in the trees has been a pastime that's only grown in popularity. We're going to talk with Dave Angotti. He is the creator of the SmokyMountains.com website, an amazing map that's interactive that shows you where you might want to go to leaf peep here this uh, fall season and how the leaves will look as you look for those times when they will be near or at their peak. It's an amazing tool, and we'll talk to Dave about that. We had a superior celestial summer up in the sky with all kinds of amazing things to look at. AccuWeather meteorologist Brian Leda will stop by, our astronomy expert, and talk about some of the highlights of this fall in October as we take a look up in the sky on some of these crisp, clear fall nights. And our friend and fellow meteorologist Bill Dagger will join me as we take a look at this upcoming weekend and the week beyond. Could be a little bonus summertime beach weather here in the first full weekend of fall in parts of the Northeast. We certainly have a lot to talk about. Friends, I'm your host, AccuWeather Meteorologist Dean DeVore. It's time to talk about everything under the sun. The leaf peeping industry has grown into a multi-billion dollar industry over the years. It captures a, a lot of great things, including tourism at a time which is down after the uh, summer rush. People traveling around. Seems like a lot of people enjoyed extending their summer travel a little bit to some excursions in the fall to some of these amazing places that have leaves. And, you know, one of the uh, challenges was always each year trying to figure out when exactly the areas that you like to visit would be seeing their near peak or peak situations. It tries to change a little bit every year depending on things. And uh, I know that I certainly, as a meteorologist, always got to be the person who was the default expert on leaf foliage and their colors as we headed into fall. But I really appreciate uh, this gentleman, Dave Angotti, who took his love 
for leaves, uh, his passion for meteorology, and also his experience as a pilot and kind of put them all together, founded SmokyMountains.com, the website, and an amazing interactive map that helps you predict and plan when the best time to go watch those amazing leaves in the places that you want to visit this fall. I visited with him earlier this week and talk about how he started the map and some of the things uh, that we can expect this 2020 fall leaf peeping season. So, Dave, I grew up in uh, central Pennsylvania, Lancaster area, but uh, we had uh, a, a cabin, a family cabin that we would go to up in the Poconos, the endless mountains of Pennsylvania. So I've been leaf peeping for, well, let's see, I'm, uh, I'm low to mid 50s <laughs> as a meteorologist. That's how I talk about my age. So I've been doing it for dozens of years. It's certainly something that while it became, it was part of life in the, for the people and places who really enjoy the outdoors, it has really become more commercialized over the last several years. And I think uh, you kind of wanted to step in and fill a void in terms of trying to help people plan when the best times to look at some of these amazing colors that we see on the trees around us here as we get into the autumn season. Yeah, that's exactly correct. About eight years ago, we had a lot of people emailing our brand, which is SmokyMountains.com, about what was the best time to come visit the Smoky Mountains. They wanted to see the leaves and all their glory in the mountains, you know, look like they've been painted with a million different colors of paint. And, and so they were asking us, when do we come and look at the mountains? And so we sharpened our pencil and started to look at temperatures and precipitations and all the different things that determine when the leaves peak and created a forecast of when it would peak for in the Smoky Mountains there. And uh, the, the users of those forecasts found them incredibly helpful. And they started to book properties and, and come to the mountains during that time. And what ultimately ended up happening was people outside of our area started to ask us, hey, when do the leaves peak in Maine? When do the leaves peak you know, out in uh, Jackson Hole, Wyoming, or wherever they might be? Mm-hmm. So we thought to ourselves, hey, we could use this same process that we used and actually create a nationwide map. And so that's kind of the story on how we got started initially. Um, and, and that was uh, the first nationwide map was back in, I believe, 2013. And of course, with COVID-19, I mean, look, this is the ultimate social distancing kind of activity where you can have your family pod in the car and, and be able to drive around and, and, and keep that social distance, uh, maybe enjoy some outdoor activities, being responsible with masks. But this again, and, and it's really, I think, the nexus here of why weather and nature and, and all this kind of stuff is try, really helped save us during this pandemic, is at least give us an outdoor and an outlet to enjoy some beautiful stuff, what we can still do socially responsibly. And I think uh, leaf peeping is right up there with that in this in this COVID-19 time. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. You think about activities that maybe were a little hesitant to do this year. It's hop on an airplane and fly somewhere. So, so this year, it's more about the journey and getting there, maybe even than the destination. As we drive to the mountains, we see the leaves changing on the way as we get to that crescendo of the mountaintop with the leaves that have all changed. And along the way, we can do that in a socially distant fashion. Um, I've been to about 10 national parks since COVID-19 started. And it is one of the best activities for anybody during this pandemic time, because you can get out there, you can do it in a responsible way. You can wear a mask on some of the trails if they're busier trails, other trails, you may have them all to yourselves. Uh, and so it's, it's, it's just a great activity 
during this time with a pandemic out there. We're talking with David Angotti, creator and founder of SmokyMountains.com. And we should, if people are typing that in, it's Smoky is S-M-O-K-Y, no E. I think sometimes people add the extra E. Uh, and then mountains is plural. So SmokyMountains.com. What is different about this map versus other maps? I think to me, it was the interaction, be able to kind of use that cool slider to see, especially you, you pick your area and you say, oh, how's this going to progress here over the next couple of weeks in terms of what I'm going to see? Is that one of the main differences about your map versus other maps in this in this realm? Yeah, I would say there's a, a few differences with our map compared to the majority of leaf maps that you're going to find out there. The first is that interactive progression of fall. So basically, we're taking a look at, depending on the year, somewhere of 12 to 13 weeks of fall and how fall progresses rather than just the peak fall. And so that allows people maybe to plan to get there right around peak, even if they can't get off work that one week or the weather's not great that one weekend, they can still plan on near peak and get there on one end or the other of peak fall. Uh, The other thing is just the nationwide aspect of it, rather than to highlight just one small area. We've tackled over 3,100 geographical areas. Where, where there is a little bit of a caveat with that is we can't make trees like maples grow in South Florida. So, uh, so what this means is not that you're going to have a brilliant fall in South Florida. This is when the weather would have produced a peak fall. If right, you had right, maples right. And the oaks and all of that down there. Yeah, palm trees don't turn colors. And no, well, they, they, still, they, 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 they do brown out at times uh, and stuff like that. But yeah, it's not the same effect. And obviously, look, I don't want to, I don't want to, push my meteorological uh, explanation onto you, but all of this is based on things that just a little bit of difference can make a bigger difference than you think in terms of some things. So while the accuracy isn't 100%, I think these are just kind of general thoughts and ideas about certain areas and regions and how they would be at that certain point. Yeah. So basically, I think now is as good of time as any to delve into a little bit of how it actually works. Yeah, that would be great. I, I want to, because I mean, I know what we put into a meteorological model to get the weather patterns. What do you guys put into the model engine to get this output of, of this uh, as we go through it? Yeah. So we have uh, we have constants. So constants would be things like elevations, a along with our ideal peak fall periods, which we've built over time into the model. So we know if everything was perfect with the weather and exactly what we expected, that's when fall would occur. So these are our baseline starting points. And once we have those baseline starting points for each of the 3,100 plus geographical areas, then we can start to put in near constants, which that would be something like sunrise and sunset. It's not exactly a constant, but it's a whole lot easier to predict and and get close to than say something like how much precipitation we're going to get in a given month. Then we look at the historical temperatures and precipitation for that year up until that point when we make our prediction, as well as the forecast of precipitation and uh, temperatures moving forward. And finally, we look at some of the bigger uh, macro weather trends, like this year, La Nina being one of those. But, you know, you have different ones that we look at. And then altogether, that creates a model that uh, that we release typically around Labor Day most years. And we do our best to get it right. But we, do, we are careful to tell people it's kind of like a weekend forecast. It's it, it is possible to get this wrong, even using science. Right. Well, I, I mean, I know that uh, the the weather looks a certain way three days out, and then the next day you got to change it because it's looking different again. And and this is the same situation. One, do you kind of adjust as you go along if you see some errors? Because 
There are ways, obviously, to check yourself visually through webcams and all kinds of stuff these days. I mean, it's amazing the clarity that we can see anywhere in the world right now. So do you guys make some adjustments along the way? Or once you set this in motion, it's pretty much in motion as it is. So we typically release one map per year. And our reason for that is static versions of this map get published all over the place. And the year that we tried to release multiple versions along the way, it created such confusion for end users that it was worse than if we hadn't updated it at all. Uh, so, So now what we do is we create the one version, we release it, we do measure it several times throughout the year. And if there was just a horrible miss, for example, we would go back in re-update it and re-release it as well as let the different journalists and people we'd talk to know that it had been re-released to hopefully avoid some of that confusion. But what we don't want to do is release a new one every three days with moving targets, changing back and forth, because that getting down to that level of granularity would cause people more heartburn on if they were going to be able to see it at peak <laughs> leaf. You know, there's there's such this like desire yeah. for that perfect Instagram photo, oh, or whatever yeah, yeah. it might be. That's also the same reason we don't display it uh, on a daily basis. It's a, if, if you notice, like the slider is bi-week. Bi-weekly, yep. September 28th, for example, actually means the week of September 28th through October 5th. So it's a week. So, so the dates on the bottom as you're sliding across, that's the beginning of that week that's into correct. the following week. So can we start breaking down a little bit of some of the regions here uh, quickly? I, I'd like to start, I'll be selfish and start up uh, in the Northeast of New England. And as we go through this week into this weekend, I mean, we're already getting near and then into this coming week, we'll be past peak in some of the very Northern interior parts of New England. One thing to me, Dave, I've noticed it seems like it's rapid onset this year of the colorization. I'm already here in central Pennsylvania starting to see some light color up in the in the mountains. And then anything that I've seen, like I just looked at some pictures the other day of Ann Arbor, Michigan, and they're already about 30, 40% where it's just blazing already. It's just quickly going. Is that something that you're seeing too this year that these changes are occurring maybe a little bit more rapidly than other years? You know, I I do think we are seeing that, especially in certain areas of of the country, the weather we've had leading up to this could be the cause of that. A lot of dryness in the Northeast, a lot of drought this summer. Exactly. And then, you know, and then you, uh, you, you take certain areas where we're seeing, like, for example, um, Gatlinburg, where the Smoky Mountains are, we, right. we started out warm and then we went really, uh, we, we went the opposite direction with a little cooler than normal, which then brings that onset on a little bit quicker. And so I think that that's probably what's to blame in most of the geographical areas where we're seeing that quick onset of fall. You know, without digging into the exact data there on on Pennsylvania, where where you are in the Northeast up there, I I would imagine that that's what's occurring up there. Is we started out warm and then got really crisp and cold pretty quickly on the overnight temperatures, especially. So let's go out to the uh, Rockies in the Intermountain West. Uh, certainly, when you release this, they're already well underway there. In fact, uh, you know we're already getting near peak, past peak in some of those areas. It just mm-hmm. tells us how rapidly uh, we're getting uh, to the colder months here. As uh, we seems like we just started fall, but in some places like Denver, with their snow just a, a, over a week or so ago, it's uh, already seen some real cold temperatures. Right. So when we look at somewhere uh, out west, like Big Sky, Yellowstone, the higher elevation out there in Colorado, we see the impact of elevation on fall. That's a really good example of it. So on average, you uh, decrease about three and a half degrees per thousand feet you go up. 
as you rise in elevation, it produces a lower temperature, which then produces an earlier fall. And so we see that every year out there. We get to cheat a little bit on our uh, Rocky Mountains uh, forecast because, as you said, it's already normally starting to change by about the time we release the map. So so we like to be uh, especially accurate out there. Since. Yeah, exactly. But, but yeah, we're seeing um, in, the, in right now really peak fall in some of the higher elevations of Colorado, uh, over in Big Sky, and, and those areas out west right now. As you said, you know, as you go farther south, you run out of more of the deciduous uh, trees. And uh, so you don't get as uh, the bright color situations as much. You know, there's certain places, St. Louis gets very pretty uh, around there with uh, uh, their trees. And it looks like they're going to get to near peak as we get to mid-October. So uh, that area, the, the middle of the country. Uh, some other underrated leaf peeping areas that we don't hear about, you know, unlike the Smokies, unlike the, the Rockies, unlike the Poconos, unlike uh, some of the mountains up in New England. Is there any place else that you uh, would recommend that people might not think of as a leaf peeping destination? Yeah, it, it seems like people that aren't on the West Coast don't think of Washington State as a leaf peeping uh, destination. That's one of the best areas in the whole country for leaf peeping. So I would say definitely um, if because you're... Because of the different types of trees? Exactly. You have different elevations there. Yeah. You have different types of trees there. You have the, the coastal element as well as the inland element all in one uh, fantastic state. So I would definitely say add that to the list if that's within a, a drive for you. Blue Ridge, uh, the Blue Ridge Mountains are, are just fantastic. They're kind of like uh, the, the extension the, of the Shenandoahs uh, down then into, uh, into the Carolinas, right? Exactly. And you can um, really uh, experience a small town feel as you head into Blue Ridge. So that's one of the, the nice things about that. It's not quite as crowded as like the Smoky Mountains, which of course I'm partial to. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, you have uh, Blue Ridge and then you have the Asheville, North Carolina uh, side of the Smokies where that kind of runs yep. into the other mountains over there as well. So my cousin Donna, my cousin Donna has the, a place in Asheville. She, they're, they're, they're the keys in the winter and then they're Asheville in the summer. And and they want me down there for one of these falls. I, I do some football announcing. And so it's very hard for me to do that. So uh, that seems to be a gorgeous area. Yeah, I would say Asheville is one of, one of the top areas kind of in, in this whole region to, to check out fall just because you can combine the, the great microbreweries, the wineries, hit the Biltmore. There's a lot to do over in the Asheville yeah. side of things, which is just about an hour and a half from, from Gatlinburg where, uh, where our office is. It, it's not really the, the Smoky Mountains per se, but it is a, a close uh, second to us, maybe. And then we're, uh, like I said, Poconos, there's cottage industry and been for years on, on leaf peeping for people to come in. And certainly uh, uh, New England, it's, it's, it's an exciting time. Now, you are not a meteorologist. Uh, you have some meteorological background because you were a commercial pilot. So tell me, like, that has to be exciting because don't very often fly and fall. But when I do, it is exciting to fly over this stuff, right? Is that, do you think how you got your best appreciation for this other than living where you live? I mean, was that, was that kind of an impetus? Yeah, I, I think it was definitely part of the, uh, of the holistic background that led to the creation of the map because I, I would fly across the country and you, you would see everything from, of course, desert to just brilliant colors on the, the Rocky Mountains or the Smoky Mountains, the Poconos. And, and I got to see fall really for the entire country from the air, which is a really unique perspective to see the progression 
uh, fall from the air. And I think that that may have influenced the idea of this progressive map that would allow people to look down almost in the same way right. at a map and see how it's going to progress. Because, yeah. you know, you, you just you want other people to have that experience and have that interactive tool that they can use to to maximize uh, fall for them, whether that's seeing it with their own eyes or that perfect Instagram uh, photo, you just really want people to be able to experience it. I thought the exact same thing, David, because uh, you know we have now, the, some of this goes satellite technology is amazing. And I was been thinking to myself, I wish this was color so I could see some of these leaves here on the visible right now. So <laughs> David, I appreciate the time. That was extremely interesting. Thank you so much. I think, uh, is there anything that I didn't ask that you think you should cover or? I think we've covered it well and I definitely think that this is going to be a great activity for many uh, during this year where we're wanting to pile into cars instead of airplanes and yes, hope everybody enjoys fall and, and peak fall where they are. Dave did mention to me, obviously, the weather over the next couple of weeks will make a determination on how good or bad some of the leaf peeping will be in some of these areas. Obviously, the wildfire situation out west we'll keep an eye on, especially as the heat builds again, as we'll hear from Bill Dagger coming up a little bit later in our episode here. And then also, uh, if there's another tropical storm heading up, uh, some of the rain and wind and even some of the wind that we could see with some of the colder temperatures next week could do a little damage to some of the leaves up in the upper Midwest and Gray Lakes. It's all things that we'll keep watching here on AccuWeather.com. But again, thanks to Dave and really uh, use that tool, Smoky, S-M-O-K-Y, mountains, plural.com is where you can find that great interactive map. You can find all kinds of astronomy information on our website. We have our own AccuWeather Astronomy Twitter account, and we've got Brian Leda standing by to talk about what was a beautiful summer in the sky and what will be a full fall of some highlights, especially this coming October. That's coming up next on Everything Under the Sun. Listen to Weather Insider every weekday for a discussion on trending weather news with me, Bernie Reno, and Evan Myers. You'll get detailed insight into major weather events and learn the why behind the weather. Just subscribe to Weather Insider on your favorite podcast platforms today. Welcome back to Everything Under the Sun. I'm your host, meteorologist Dean DeVore, and this is our first fall episode of Everything Under the Sun in our new series. If I think back to the summer, one of the most amazing things of the summer that I remember is just how every night or early morning I'd get up and I'd look out and up at the sky and I'd see some amazing things. It was a spectacular celestial summer, as I said in the show open, and wondering if fall will be just as full of things to look at. Wanted to talk with our astronomy expert, Brian Leda, meteorologist from AccuWeather.com, about what to expect this fall up in the sky. Brian, you know, we talked a, a couple of months ago heading into the summer and, and we're highlighting what was going to be a, a really fun astronomical summer. And, and honestly, it's I don't know if it's COVID and everything else and just this more of an appreciation, at least personally for me, about things outdoors. But what an amazing astronomical summer to look up. You know, we had uh, that amazing full moon and uh, an eclipse that wasn't very visible as an eclipse, but I think it highlighted how bright the moon was, at least where I was on July 4th. And then we had all those great juxtapositions of the, the planets and the moon. Even just the other night, I went out, you know, getting up at three o'clock in the morning has some advantages. <laughs> and that's a beautiful morning sky to look at. And uh, with the haze in the sky, the crescent moon and Venus, it was just gorgeous. 
the other morning. So that's been cool. Uh, then obviously the extreme bonus of Neowise, which was much better than any of us uh, expected and dreamed of in terms of of the viewing of it. So it was a really exciting summer. I'm, I'm almost wondering, is there as much to look forward to? I know we've got some big events, but maybe talk a little bit about what your thoughts about the summer up in the sky. Yeah, it was just a great summer to repeat everything that you said. We still have great views of Jupiter and Saturn now, but just earlier in July, they were just fantastic side by side all night long. Um, like you said, Neowise, I'm sure that we're not going to forget that anytime soon. And just great weather. You know, if you just go outside most nights, you can see the stars. It was just fantastic, at least across the eastern United States. And heading here into October, we have plenty of events, a little bit of everything for everyone uh, as we head into the fall time. Well, let's uh, let's talk about these three events for October. First is uh, centers on the planet Mars, which when I get up in the morning is off uh, to my, what, uh, west? southwest a little bit up in the sky there and it's bright and beautiful and we're coming up on a a time when it's going to be almost the best time to see Mars. Yeah, I mean, earlier in the summer, we had Jupiter and Saturn, which they are bright, but they appear white like all the other stars. Right. And Mars is called the red planet and it holds true to its name. If you go outside to see it, it really stands out with a different color. Uh, I went outside the other night and it started to rise by about 10 p.m. and it it appears orange. I did a double take because I didn't think it was a star or anything. I thought it was maybe a plane, but it was the planet Mars. And so the best night this year to look for it is October 13th. That's actually the closest it's going to be to the Earth since July of 2018. So this is the best time in a long time to look for the planet Mars. No telescope required. It's going to be visible all night long. So if you're a late night stargazer or an mm-hmm. early riser like yourself, Dean, you'll right. be able to see it. You know, and and I have to admit, I went down and my father had purchased a, a Mead telescope, really nice one. And, and I got it after his passing a few years ago. And I hadn't had it out, but I got it out this summer for um, all the juxtaposition of the planets and Neowise and everything. And uh, yeah, it's still set up because I just, I knew that there was going to be some more things here and some of these amazing nights. Just, it's just amazing to look at these planets. I mean, just a, a couple of weeks ago, Uranus was uh, visible without really looking through a telescope or that kind of thing, which is not uh, very common. So, so Mars should be beautiful. Then we're looking at uh, the next kind of highlight is a couple of meteor showers mid-October that look like they'll uh, be right in time for some good stuff. Yeah. I mean, earlier this year, we had the Perseids in August, which I'm not sure if you went out for, but I went I out did. that night. I saw so many meteors. I mean, one a minute. It, it was fantastic. Some of them stretched across the entire sky. Yeah, I saw I a mean, bunch of greenies. Uh, nothing really that I would consider fireball-y, but enough big ones that it was just, yeah, it was an amazing firestorm. Yeah, so I, that was probably the best meteor shower of the year. What we have in October isn't up to that level, but I think it's still worth going out and taking a look, especially here. We're in October. We're heading into winter, and for fair weather stargazers, you're not going to want to sit out on the cold winter nights to look for shooting stars. No, um, no, no, no. My dad used to try to take me out there, and the like, especially I, I remember the Orionids, and especially when my father used to come up for football games to watch and stay over and he'd want me out in the backyard around two, three in the morning to look at these. And I'm like, dad, it's a little cold here. (laughs) 30 degrees. Yeah. So then the trifecta, the, the third big event is a blue moon, a second full moon on no other night than Halloween, Brian. How cool is that going to be? That's pretty cool. Uh, the blue moon, is it's the second full moon in one month. The first full moon is actually on October 1st. And this year, that's considered the harvest moon. Usually Ooh. the harvest moon is in September. Right. But 
the harvest moon is considered the full moon closest to the equinox. So this year that happens to be the full moon on October 1st. And then the second full moon on Halloween night. Uh, so if you're one of those people that's out trick-or-treating this year, I know things are a little different, but those that are out and about on that night will have some extra light to shine their way. So three things coming in October, Mars, uh, it's closest or, or best night to look at it. Then uh, the, the meteor shower, the Orionids, and then the second full moon of the month on Halloween. Looks like a, a, a packed month coming up here in October as we wane away here in September. But some uh, really, it looks like that pattern, at least in the east. Now, we've been getting some of this uh, high level smoke. Um, it looks like when we get that more northerly flow that clears it out. But obviously, this is going to put a little damper on some of these things for folks out west that are dealing with that more. But in the east, uh, it seems like we're able to get rid of that uh, pretty quickly. So it looks like uh, we're in good shape here and more dry weather to come here in the next couple of months. Brian, thanks for being with us here on Everything Under the Sun. Uh, Thanks for having me. Brian and the rest of our team, including Dave Samuel and others that uh, contribute to our astronomy stories, you can read them on AccuWeather.com and you can follow our Twitter page. It's AccuAstronomy, A-C-C-U Astronomy. That's our Twitter page and we'll keep you up to date on the latest highlights and forecasts about these uh, viewing of uh, the meteor showers and then the full moon, the double full moon in October. It looks like it will be an exciting fall till it gets a little chillier to be spending a lot of time outside looking up at the sky. Speaking of the weather, what does it look like heading into this first full weekend of fall? We'll talk to Bill Dager about that after this on Everything Under the Sun. Whether you're at home getting ready for work, packing the kids' lunch, or commuting, listen to AccuWeather Daily. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, and you'll get the top trending weather story of the day every day. Welcome back to Everything Under the Sun. I'm meteorologist Dean DeVore, your host, and certainly it was a little counterintuitive to talk about the weather last weekend, the final calendar summer weekend for folks, and especially in the Great Lakes in the Northeast, because it was awfully chilly. And then going into this first full weekend of fall in those places, it's warming up, some bonus beach weather there. Certainly we have to talk about fire danger and some big changes coming next week. Bill Dagger joins me with our traditional final segment where we took a look at the weather for the upcoming weekend and the week beyond. All right, Bill, we uh, certainly have had some busy weather weeks here in the weather office. Uh, You know, going into this week, we were obviously looking at all the tropical situations. Beta did uh, pretty much what we thought it was going to do in terms of it coming on shore and then finally ushering out towards the Atlantic Ocean as we record this here late week. The wildfire situation has gotten better. You know, let's accentuate the positive, Bill. I think uh, folks in the Great Lakes and Northeast, I've been putting out the devorecast word to the wise here that cherish this weather here over the next several days heading into the weekend and even just at least for the northeast a couple of days beyond that early next week because some of this nice warmth and beautiful weather is going to go away in a hurry with some cold air poised to come down into the lower 48 mid to late next week yeah that's right we're going to enjoy some high pressure here over the next couple of days bringing us the nice weather but a really deep trough of low pressure which is something you would typically see closer to winter will be uh, digging into the midwest uh, by early next week expanding toward the northeast by the middle and end of next week and yeah we're going to have uh, temperatures averaging at least 10 to 15 degrees below average and there's going to be a frequent rain showers a gust 
plus the winds. So yeah, all the more reason to get out and enjoy the nice weather ne- the next couple of days. Yeah, and uh, of course, our, our focus is here early on. We're leaf peeping with the uh, you know our conversation with uh, Dave and uh, SmokyMountains.com. Uh, I know you and. <laughs> Bill here in the office and when we're uh, working together in the mornings, he's our resident person. It's always kind of getting that nexus between social media and uh, things. And and that interactive map is great. There's going to be a lot of great relief peeping weather here at places where it's already starting to get pretty close to peak. And that's in some of those uh, northern um, uh, Great Lakes areas and and northern interior New England already starting to be peak. And, you know, even here where we are in Pennsylvania, Bill, I'm starting to see some hints when I look at the mountain off to my uh, west here from the house that it's I think it's going to be one of those where it's going to go quickly. So, you know, get your chances where you can up uh, in the northern parts of the country with this nice weather here to maybe do a little leaf peeping this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. And with the sudden drop in temperatures expected next week, uh, that will only uh, quicken that process of the leaves uh, changing and unfortunately coming off those trees a few weeks after that. And not to mention a lot of the Northeast is very dry. So these trees are a little stressed out compared Mm -hmm. to what they usually should be this time of year. So that may uh, promote uh, the changing colors here a little quicker than usual. For this upcoming weekend, do we have to call it a bonus beach weekend for places maybe as far north? I mean, um, it's looking maybe Saturday's a little murky along the eastern seaboard, but then picks up uh, for, you know, Long Island, uh, Fire Island, uh, Cape Cod, places like that. And then even down in the mid-Atlantic, uh, till we get to the Carolinas, which could have some showers around, is the, what's left of that beta system goes away towards the end of the or beginning of the weekend. Yeah, almost, uh, you know, you would expect this time of year the southeast beaches to be nice uh, mm. because, you know, it's still warm down there, but they're going to be dealing with the leftover moisture from beta, some onshore flow that will make for some showers. So you're right, the northeast beach is probably the better place to be this weekend and early next week. Uh, just have to deal with a couple mornings there, especially especially near New York City, Jersey Shore, Long Island, where it could be a little cloudy and murky before the sun comes out. Well, one thing that we're uh, looking at, uh, we've been seeing some bouts of some fire dousing rain here at the uh, end of this week and uh, up in the other upper elevations and some of the uh, cascades in the in the western states there. How does that fire situation look out west? Are we are we easing out of it or am I concerned because I'm seeing another heat dome? You know, if that Arctic air is going to start pushing into the Great Lakes and the uh, northeast towards the end of the week, usually there's an opposite reaction and that would expect the uh, heat to start building out west. So are we going to get back into some problems here uh, in terms of fire danger? Yeah, they're, unfortunately, they're going to have the heat build back uh, as we head into next week. And even out ahead of that here uh, through the rest of this work week, there could be some enhanced risk for fires ahead of that trough, uh, that weak trough that's moving through the northwest. So the interior Great Basin region, the northern Rockies at risk for some fires. And then Really, the entire West has to be careful next week. Not as much in the way of wind. There's going to be dry, hot weather to contend with. Not much in the way of wind. So I guess that's good. We don't have those ingredients really lining up. But yeah, it's just a tinderbox out there. So even without the wind, without how hot and dry it's going to be, there's going to be some issues. All right. And it looks like now we may be 
till what early to mid October to see potentially another name storm in the Atlantic Basin. Uh, it looks like we're in that little pause. And, and I was talking to Dan about that last week. It just seems like we've been in. It's been kind of surges of activity in the Atlantic, and right now it seems like things have calmed down a little bit. Hey, you're right. A couple of weeks ago there was a lull too before we really got into that right. uh, nonstop, uh, you know, Onslaught, storms all yeah. over the place. Uh, and yeah, we're in one of those lulls right now here, but I would expect that in about a week or so to, you know, uh, go away and probably we'll have a few more named storms before the season is out. You know, officially we're only a four away from tying the record set back in 2005. So we'll have to see if we can do that. We uh, have two months left in the season. Of course, we don't really want to do that, but it's uh, certainly, uh, you know, looking like a strong possibility we will. All right, Bill, uh, anything else that you're keeping an eye on in terms of uh, heading into uh, next week as we uh, continue to move through this fall period or as uh, things uh, just really hinged on how much of that cold air pushes down and how much it uh, trouble it causes here in parts of the, in the United States? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how cool it actually gets. This uh, trough of low pressure coming in, bringing us this cool down. It's not going to be one of those where it's a high pressure system and it's, you know, clear days and clear nights. So that sometimes can keep the temperature up at night. Not as many frost or freeze episodes as you would see in a crystal clear air mass. So it'll be interesting to see how cool it actually gets with this trough that comes down. Certainly looks windy and showery. So even if it's not colder on the thermometer compared right. to what it could be, it's, it'll certainly feel like it. Especially after some of these places are going to be near 80 or even a little bit better yeah. here as we head into the weekend. Bill, thanks for the time. Have a great weekend and we'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Definitely going to be a tricky weekend forecast here, especially in some of these places in the mid-Atlantic. How much uh, moisture kind of sticks around earlier in the weekend? How much does it dry out and warm up as we get later in the weekend and early part of next week? But those changes are coming next week, and certainly you're going to want to stay tuned to AccuWeather.com for all the latest on that. Thanks also to Brian Leda and Dave Angotti for joining us in our earlier segments with the look at the SmokyMountains.com. Great interactive fall foliage map, and Brian was with a look up in the skies for this upcoming fall. In our second fall episode next week, I will be pleased to welcome our founder and CEO, Dr. Joel Myers. He will be with us to talk about some of the amazing things that have been going on weather-wise here over the last several weeks and some of his thoughts as we go from processing the air in a cooling sense for many of us in the Northern Hemisphere and get ready to heat the air as we get into fall and then winter here north of the equator. His thoughts about that and everything else, everything under the sun as we get into our episode next week. For all of us, the amazing team members who keep working so hard in front of the camera, in front of the microphone, and behind the scenes every day at AccuWeather.com to put together the best forecast for you and your family. We certainly thank you for supporting us and keeping going with everything under the sun. We'll be back next week with all of us here from AccuWeather.com. I'm Dee DeVore, your host. Have a great week. Stay safe and well. And we'll talk to you next week for Episode 2 of our fall series of Everything Under the Sun. 